it would be helpful to have your Bibles or Bible app open at that reading, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, as we'll look at verses throughout the whole chapter this morning. Let's begin with prayer. Almighty Father, as you have given us your word, give us now your spirit that we may understand and live the things which we hear. I wonder if you're familiar with these song lyrics. O Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. O Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. Now, I promise I don't sing that song every morning. It's hard to believe, but that song is as old as I am, but it's still relevant today. Our culture celebrates the individual. Individual talent, achievement, success, self-sufficiency. Humility, on the other hand, is not valued at all because it's a threat when we build our self-worth and our identity entirely on ourselves. This morning, as we conclude our mini-series on Proverbs, we're focusing on humility and, as Proverbs often does, its opposite, pride. John Stott said this, At every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. We read in verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride comes before a fall, but humility is the beginning of true wisdom. Let's have just a quick look at a couple of examples in the Bible where pride leads to downfall. In the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had been warned by God in a dream of the consequences of his sin. And Daniel interpreted the dream and urged him, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. In other words, acknowledge God for who he really is. However, his pride prevented him from responding to God's mercy. We read in Daniel chapter 4, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He looked at his achievements and trusted entirely in them and in himself. The punishment which had been foretold in the dream came to pass immediately. We fast forward to Acts chapter 12 and we see Herod with the same mind as Nebuchadnezzar. Herod made a speech in the town of Caesarea. Now we don't have a record of what he said but we know what the people said afterwards. 
they responded this way. This is the voice of a God, not of a man. We can only conclude that his heart and mind had been poisoned by pride as well. How did God respond to this? Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Both these examples show how pride can lead to destruction and how humility could have produced a different outcome. Why is pride so dangerous? Why does God dislike it so much? Pride emphasises the self over others and it rejects God's greatness. Pride allow, sorry, humility allows us to be honest about ourselves and our dependence on God. As we seek to grow as disciples of Christ and grow in God's wisdom, we'll see how this chapter contrasts pride and its relationship with wealth, with humility and its connection with generosity. Only humility can help us grow as disciples and grow in wisdom. Pride takes many and different forms, but has only one end, self-glorification. Pride isn't just thinking more highly of yourself than you should, or thinking you're better than others. It's more insidious than that. Pride occurs when we aspire to the status and position of God, even when we don't realise it. After all, that's the ultimate way to think more highly of yourself. But there's more. Pride refuses to allow us to acknowledge our dependence upon God as pride competes for supremacy with him. That's the ultimate purpose of pride, to rob God of his legitimate glory and his proper place in our lives. Pride effectively build a barrier between us and God. We close our mind and heart to him. We shut out God's love and kindness. We shut out God's wisdom and his guidance. And ultimately, we shut out God's forgiveness and salvation. Pride says we don't need any of them. But as verse 7 tells us, hopes placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. This chapter of Proverbs in particular links pride with wealth because pride can lead us to have an unhealthy relationship with wealth, with money and possessions in a number of ways. The first is money worship. This means believing money is the solution to every problem. If only we could have more of it, we'd stop worrying and enjoy life more. The second way is money status. This involves accumulating wealth and spending money to show the world who we are. Our sense of personal worth and value is demonstrated by wealth. And the third is money vigilance. Money being a security blanket. Having it makes us feel safe and protected and spending it can feel wrong even when we have enough. The first error is to want more, the second is spending more and the third 
is thinking that we don't have enough. There's nothing wrong with money. There is nothing wrong with earning money or spending it. But I hope you see how these three different approaches to money and wealth are all self-centred and don't include God. Now let's look at three verses in this chapter that talk about wealth. Verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Verse 26. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And verse 28. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. We're warned that wealth is not eternal. Wealth is seductive. It appears to offer us everything we need and all that we want. But if we rely on it, if, we, if dependence on wealth replaces dependence on God, it will ultimately fail us. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. We then see how our attitude to wealth can affect our relationships with others. People curse the one who hoards grain. Just as pride shuts God out, pride shuts the people around us out as well and blinds us to their needs. Pride makes us the number one priority and wealth and possessions can only reinforce that. In the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, Jesus warns us to be on our guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In the parable, a rich man has a super amazing harvest, so great that he needs to tear down his barns and build new ones, bigger ones, to store all the surplus grain. What he does next reveals the state of his heart. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. The abundant harvest is not the problem because that was provided by God. The problem was, was his attitude towards it and how he was going to use it. He didn't thank God for the harvest and he simply planned to rely completely on it for his future security, refusing to share his abundance with those around him who had need. He found out the hard way that wealth is useless in eternity, that those who trust in their riches will fall. Pride tells us the lie that we can trust in our money and in our possessions. Pride tells us that we don't need God, we don't need others. Now, wealth is not the only source of pride. It could be possessions, career, power, success, our character, our achievements. But when we depend on something for our value, our worth, our confidence, our security and our purpose, they displace God's rightful place. Pride blinds us to the truth 
but only humility can open our eyes to what and who we really need. Humility is often defined as not having an inflated sense of our value or worth. But it's much more than that. While pride looks inward to self, humility looks outward to God and to others. True humility is to see ourselves as we actually are, fallen in sin and helpless without God. We are called to be humble followers of Christ and trust in the wisdom, mercy and salvation of God. To be humble, we must have faith that God has done everything necessary for our salvation and he will lead us in the best way to live. Humility means putting complete trust in Jesus and not deceiving ourselves with other things which promise much but don't deliver. We should lean on the understanding and wisdom of God. Humility is also expressed in our relationships with others. Some define humility as not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. So not putting yourself down because that's a false humility, but elevating the needs of others and meeting them when we can. As humility guides us outwards, there's a close connection between humility and generosity. Let's look now at verses 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Our culture asks the question, what is the big deal about looking after our own needs, the needs of our family? Surely we should look after ourselves. Except that all we have is God's and we're called to love God with everything we have and everything we are and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Being generous towards others recognises that what we have is really not ours. It takes humility to trust that God will provide, freeing us to be generous with our time, our talents and our resources. Being generous also answers the command to love our neighbours. It takes humility to be generous because generosity involves sacrifice. Humility allows us to loosen our grip on our resources and so freeing us to serve others. Humility was demonstrated by the widow who made her offering to God at the temple. We see that in Luke chapter 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The rich were placing their gifts at the temple, most likely making sure that everyone who was there 
could see and hear exactly how generous they were. But the poor widow gave a small gift and would have done so discreetly, not wanting to draw attention to herself. And so she showed humility in two ways, in the way she gave and in the amount she gave. She gave willingly and sacrificially because she trusted completely in God. If pride builds a wall around us, then humility builds a bridge between us and God and between us and the people around us, those we meet on our front lines. Humility allows us to grow in wisdom from God and from our connections with others. Verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. The fruit of humility is righteousness and blessings for those around us. This chapter of Proverbs reminds us over and over and over again that only the righteous will live. Righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless makes their paths straight. The righteousness of the upright delivers them. The righteous person is rescued from trouble. Humility, not pride, is the path to righteousness, salvation and wisdom. And it's only through humility that we can effectively point others to God as well. So let's seek to show humility in these ways. Let's boast only in God because he's chosen us and saved us. Let's boast only in God as we acknowledge him as the source of all we have. Let's point others to the gospel that Christ died for our sins and that we are all dependent on God's grace. Let's acknowledge God as the ruler of our life, the source of our wisdom and the guide of our steps. Let's seek to serve others with that expectation of reward or favour rather than seeking to be served. Let's remember that with humility comes wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and all that you have revealed in it. We thank you for Jesus and his example of humility. Humility in his life and in his death. Help us to recognise when pride creeps into our lives so that we may live lives of humility, of faith, trusting in all that you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.